Today is the second day of the second quarter of 2021. In the next few days and weeks, we're going to see the results of consumer spending from the first quarter of the year. The first quarter was supposed to be the start of the comeback for the retail economy. We were supposed to see a bounce back. Some call it revenge spending. But did it really happen? In this edition of Commerce Code, revenge spending Myth or reality? Truth from Down Under. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on April 2nd. This is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. It's great to be with you. Many industry observers have been writing about revenge spending quite a bit lately. We first used the term on our show about a year ago as China started to emerge from their first wave of pandemic lockdowns and upscale shoppers in Shanghai and other big Asian cities started immediately flocking back to their favorite luxury retail stores. Ever since then, North American and European retailers, well, they've been waiting for that revenge spending to hit their stores in the US and Europe. It was supposed to start happening this first quarter, but did it really? Will it come about? Is revenge spending a myth or is it real? To answer those questions, today on the show, we go to Sydney, Australia. Australia is a unique market because of its location in the very south of the Pacific. It trades a lot with Asia, in China specifically, but it's also a significant trading partner to both the US and Europe. But even more important, Australia has managed to control the spread of COVID-19 and has been earlier to reopen its economy. So perhaps Australia can provide a preview on what's coming next for markets in other parts of the globe, especially as it relates to consumer spending after the pandemic. Terry McMullen is the CEO of OpenSparks, a leading cardlink technology company based in Sydney that works with leading banks, merchants, shopping malls, and loyalty programs to increase consumer spending. We discuss whether revenge spending is real and the tools that merchants are using to lure shoppers back to their stores. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Good afternoon, Silvio. Very well, thank you, and great to be speaking with you again. And Terry, you are in Sydney today, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm speaking to you from Sydney, Australia. So morning for me and I believe afternoon for you in California. Yep, that's absolutely right. Thank you for being back on the podcast. Actually, the last time we talked, we talked about what consumers can expect when they return to malls after emerging from COVID-19 lockdowns. So catch us up. You know, Australia's done a pretty good job of managing COVID-19. You're one of the industrialized countries in the world that has actually really done the best job. Is that happening? Are consumers getting back into shopping in person? And how is it different to what we had before the pandemic began? Yeah, look, a really interesting question to kick things off. What's happening now that we're coming out of lockdown and Australia over the last six or eight weeks has gradually been lifting the various lockdown enforcements that have been in place. So people are returning to the mall, they're returning to the shopping precinct. Malls and and retailers still have to comply with government mandatory social distancing requirements. The upshot of all of that is things are pretty much getting back to normal 
Uh, and there's a couple of interesting markers to indicate that beyond simple observation. We've recently gone through a reporting season in Australia, and whilst COVID forced the economy into recession, a lot of retailers had a pretty good 2020 in Australia. Supermarkets for obvious reasons, but also discretionary items, you know, electronics, white goods. And I guess that's because the government stimulus enabled a lot of people to keep their jobs and also Australia is typically a highly travelling nation, lots of domestic travel, lots of international travel because of our relative isolation, I guess. And all of that spend didn't happen. So some of that discretionary spend went into retail. Another interesting um, fact, one of the big card networks did a study towards the end of last year and around two thirds of respondents identified as being primarily in-store shoppers. So people are definitely getting back to being in-store. The other phenomena that's really come to the fore is the notion of click and collect. Just about every retailer you can imagine has click and collect as a very heavily promoted method of purchase. And by that, I mean you buy online and then you visit your local store and whatever you've ordered is waiting for you. You don't have to go into the store. You just go to a click and collect counter, which is typically front of store. There are noticeable changes, but I have to say from observation and from my own experience, the actual shopping experience hasn't changed a hell of a lot. Really great insights there. So definitely some changes, but nothing apocalyptic like the end of in-store shopping. One thing that has definitely grown is the use of card-linked offers and payment-linked offers. That's really been something that we've witnessed around the world as consumers have become much more price sensitive. And because they're often doing a lot of their discovery on mobile apps, that's a really great way to present an offer to a consumer and get them to shop at your store versus somebody else's. We've seen it growing quite a bit in the Australian marketplace with big airlines like Qantas having card-linked offers, a number of new companies entering the fray like Cashback, Loyalty One, Be Rewarded, Points for Purpose. But OpenSparks in many ways was the first. How has the use of card-linked offers changed in Australia and how is it helping merchants sell more both through the pandemic and now? In Australia, you're right, Silvio, the two airlines plus some other marketplace type apps have had card linked offers for quite some time, but it's still relatively limited. Australia is a very concentrated market in lots of sectors, retail, telco, financial services. There's four big banks, all of which are both acquirers and issuers. So they have pushed their card linked offers heavily, but it's also helped, I think, accelerate a general increase in awareness and enthusiasm around card-linked offers and payment-linked offers more generally in Australia. And we're seeing, for example, Shopback, which operates in Australia and is part-owned by Rakuten, they launched a CLO capability just before the pandemic. There's another similar online-only marketplace called Cash Rewards. They launched a CLO capability during the pandemic. From OpenSpark's point of view, you're right, we have been living and breathing card-linked offers and payment-linked offers 
services for almost four years now as a technology enabler or a platform as a service. And in 2021, a lot of the planned launches that we put on hold in 2020 will now be bringing out to market. So what we're seeing is a real awakening amongst industry that the benefits of payment linking, seamless real-time experience for consumers, simple, easy, no-pause modification for merchants, very data-rich environment, and of course, very accurate attribution for online to offline sales. I think we've got to the tipping point of awareness and understanding that it's just a better way to deliver a loyalty program. Now, as you look backwards over the last 12 months, you know, the marketplace has changed in many ways. Has OpenSparks also changed in terms of how you deliver services and what you deliver to your customers as services? Fundamentally, we haven't changed our mission, which is to be an enabler of payment-linked offers through a technology platform that is plug-and-play. What's been really interesting for us from a technology point of view is how rapidly the payments industry is also changing. Some of the things that we're really aware of, first one is the prevalence of non-card payment products, in particular QR code payment products. Most Asian countries have their own QR code-based payment. Another really interesting evolution in the payment space, very much being driven by millennials who like to spend their own money rather than use credit. Two things. Firstly, the increasing use of debit cards. Debit network access is an area where we're investing in developing our capability. The other area that's really interesting for us is buy now, pay later. There's quite a number of operators in that area and it's rapidly gaining market share. And for OpenSparks, looking at how the buy now, pay later rapid penetration of the payment space, how that's going to impact what we do as a loyalty technology vendor is getting a lot of our attention. And probably the last is the move to open banking. The really interesting thing for us is as markets get to a point where the banking industry operates in a way that an individual consumer can say to their FI, make my data available to this organisation for this purpose, and that will happen, that will unlock a whole lot of possibility in the payment-linked loyalty space. So for us, a lot of the interesting stuff around where do we want to take our technology to continue to meet the market need, we're looking to innovation and change in the payments industry itself and what that means for OpenSparks as a payment-linked technology provider. Great insights there. And I'll ask you to also look forward. In many ways, you talked about the changes and some of the new technologies that are in market now. You know, I'm particularly interested in your perspective, Terry, because you're such a well-known expert in this field, but also because Australia is in a really unique crossroads. You trade a lot with some of the biggest economies in Asia, including China. You trade a lot with Europe as well. And you have some very strong trading relationships with North America. And so as a result, you really have a unique insight. So what do you think is next? And what is something maybe that's not on our radar screen now that should be? One of the things that we talk about at OpenSparks, we use the phrase loyalty as ecosystem. At the moment, a lot of loyalty programs are still a single brand or an organization wanting to deal with its consumers and create loyalty. Sometimes they will bring in other brands and that's more loyalty as coalition. But I think one of the trends is really loyalty as ecosystem, where rather than having different loyalty programs in market, they will continue to exist 
least, but we'll have lots more interoperability between those programs. We still see that coming out of the research into loyalty, issues and friction around being able to use loyalty currency still come to the fore. Issues around having to juggle multiple loyalty memberships. And over, I guess, the last couple of decades, there have been innovations to try and address that, you know, going back well, way back to the 90s, points.com, for example, created a way to pool your loyalty points. So I think particularly with the advent of blockchain and cryptocurrency and the ability to combine multiple virtual currencies, I think maybe not 2021, but I think certainly one of the brewing forces shaping the future of loyalty is going to be brands still maintaining their identity and maintaining their direct customer contact, but looking at the consumer as someone who in the course of a day spends across multiple brands in multiple situations and how can those brands work together to have a great relationship and influence the behaviour of that consumer without necessarily bombarding them with a whole lot of different loyalty offerings. So exactly what it's going to look like, I couldn't tell you, but I think a driving force in loyalty going forward is going to be loyalty as ecosystem rather than loyalty as a program. That's a great prediction and very informative to all of our listeners. Terry, I just want to thank you for once again being on the Commerce Code podcast. Really appreciate all the amazing insights that you've shared with us from down under. Hey, it's always a pleasure, Silvio. And likewise, that's Terry McMullen, the CEO and co-founder of OpenSparks, speaking to us from Sydney, Australia. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on the shifts in consumer spending. It's still unclear whether we've begun to see revenge spending truly take hold in North America and in Europe. But what is clear is that shoppers are changing the way they buy. E-commerce is up, travel is way down. Buy now, pay later is up, credit card usage is way down. So perhaps it's the wrong question to ask, when is revenge spending going to happen? The better question may be, how do I position my business to take advantage of some of the significant changes in digital commerce that have already happened? Or even better, how do I use new technologies like payment linked offers, mobile wallets, and financial data to attract and retain customers? If your business is asking those questions, well, we have some answers. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares, signing off.